So this morning we're starting a brand new uh, series, and I'm thrilled about this one, just like I am about every other one that we start. <laughs> um, but we're calling this one uh, Developing Habits That Will Change Your Life. And for the next six weeks, what I want to do is I want to take us on a journey I want to talk about some habits that if you and I develop these habits in our life, they could and will change us. There are very few times that I, I, I try to you know, guarantee anything, but this one I really believe I could guarantee. Not only based on what God's word says and his promises, but based on what I've experienced personally, based on what I've seen. This is another one of those series um, that I've taught variations on over the years in youth ministry as a youth pastor. And why is that? It's, it's because I believe that this is so important for us. It's, it's, um, it's based on some resources and, and ideas from a, a ministry mentor from afar from, uh, of mine in my life and by the name of Doug Fields. If you guys are familiar with the, the book that Rick Warren wrote that sold millions, um, Purpose Driven Life, that book was adapted from some teachings from Doug Fields, who is his youth pastor. Youth pastor never gets any credit, does he? So, um, so the, the big idea of this series is this, that you and I, who we are, is made up of the commitments that we will make over our life and the habits that we develop. That who you and I turn out to be is made up of the commitments that we make and the habits that we develop in our life. So, you know, when Zion was born um, nine years ago when I was holding him just hours old, um, and I thought, you know, to myself and along with all, all my other children, you know, this, this baby is going to grow up and it's going to live uh, based on some of the commitments and the habits that he develops because of the way that I'm living my life. And so what a responsibility, right? And what a responsibility for my personal life. And so let me encourage everybody in this room, just at the, st at the start of this uh, six-week journey, start right now. Start right now developing habits um, that will change you for the rest of your life. When, when you're on your deathbed that you've lived your life to the fullest, you, you've, you've chased after a relationship with God, and you know people look at that and say, well, man, what an incredible life that they live. That's what I want. And so there, there are some areas of life growth that we all must endure. You'll see on the notes in the back side of your bulletin, um, these are not a surprise to you. Intellectual, social, emotional, physical uh, in our lives, right? As, as you look at your life and my life, we are made up of, you know, intellectual growth. Um, in order to grow intellectually, we need some things that, you know, we might call some, some study skills. Uh, in order for us to grow socially, um, we need people skills. In order, in order for us to grow emotionally, we need what we, would, we could call processing skills. We need to learn how to process feelings that deal with anger, um, how you're feeling about other people, right? One of the reasons half the marriages don't last statistically and relationships don't last is people haven't developed process skills, learning how to process. To grow physically, those of you that are athletes and you care about your health and what kind of shape you're in, you know what it takes. Workouts and nutrition and getting <coughs> your steps in to take care of your physical life, right? And so another component of your life that many of us maybe don't think about or pay as much attention to is this spiritual component of our life. And that's where we're going to hang for, for the next few weeks. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to develop some habits too, some spiritual habits. So some of you might say, you know, when I say that, well, I've got a habit. I come to church every single week. I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> right? My question to you is, is it a habit or is it a tradition? Is it a tradition? Do you come to church every week because you want to celebrate who God is? You know, come to church because you want to be where other Jesus followers are, um, you know, to sing and to laugh and to hear God's word? Or do you come to church, you know, out of tradition because it's the thing that you've, you've always done, which, I mean, there's, there, that's, it's a good thing if it gets you here, right? But, it, but it's not a habit if, if that's the case. So here's the concern. Without careful attention to any of these areas of our lives, intellectual, social, emotional, physical or spiritual, these areas are going to stop growing. And so there's a guy on the, that I met on the streets of Dallas when I was working as a security guard. This was back in my college days. I was working security. I was working the late night shift. And I, 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 I met this guy. I was thinking about him this week. 
um, and this is probably somewhat insensitive, so forgive me, but the guy never talked once to me. He screamed. He screamed, and so I named him the Screamer <laughs> because I didn't know his name. So he became the Screamer to me. And um, you can imagine how we met. <laughs> it was a wild introduction. I was, I was a brand new uh, working downtown Dallas, just moved from, from South Dakota, and so the world of security was all new to me. The world of downtown Dallas was all new to me. And um, he walks up behind me, and, and I hadn't even noticed him this first time, and he screamed. And so I screamed. <laughs> it was our way of communicating. And, um, and so the funny thing is, he never followed it up with, you know, here's why I screamed. He was just, he was just this guy, um, which made it more interesting. He, he didn't talk, he screamed, but he also held uh, a two by four in his arms, kind of like military style, like it was a gun, that had some nails on the end of it. And so interesting guy, right? And, and I saw him, I, I ended up, Seeing his routine, he would come through at a certain time of the night, in the midnight hours, um, when I was working my graveyard shift, and he would walk by, and I learned really quickly to keep my back to the wall. That's a security trick, you know, so you can see what's coming both ways. And so if, if, if I saw him coming, he wouldn't scream. But at some point, you know, I thought, you know, the screamer may have stopped growing intellectually. I don't know what the whole story is. Maybe he's really smart. He's smarter than me. And he, you know, I'm not to that level of communication yet. But at some point in these areas of our life, you know, maybe your people skills peak and your relationships go bad or your process skills stop growing and you don't know how to deal with your emotions, your anger, and you know, th those feelings that come. When it comes to our physical life, there comes a point, and some of you uh, don't know this yet, but there will be a point for me it was around the age of 21 when you just can't eat whatever you want and it's not a big deal. It becomes a big deal <laughs> the older that we get, right? Our metabolism, something happens. There comes a point when your metabolism, your metabolism slams on the brakes and if, if you're going to stay in any kind of physical shape, you have to have some physical activity and watch your nutrition, figure out, you know, how you're going to eat. Um, without careful attention, these areas in our life diminish. So what I want to talk to you about is the area of our spiritual lives. And I want to challenge us to give some careful consideration to the spiritual aspect of our lives. All of these areas, intellectual, social, emotional, spiritual, all of them, they, they make up who, who we are. The goal of these growth areas is to experience peace within ourselves, with others, and with God, to understand life, to handle stress, you know, to live life to the fullest. I want to live life to the fullest, and I don't want that for all of you that are in this room. So nobody wants a mediocre life. You want a, you want a good life. So the goal is to really live life to its fullest. John 10.10, my life verse, that, you know, I want to live with everything that God has, his plans for me. So there's two options. Option A, you can kind of do your own thing. You can live a, a busy a noisy, nonstop life, which kind of seems like the culture that we live in, busy. I'm, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> we can do that. We can, but it leads to frustration. It leads to um, conflict. It leads to confusion. Um, stress is a part of our world when we kind of live that way. Or there's option B, where you can learn to dwell in God's presence. You can learn to, to develop this habit of getting to um, grow your, your spiritual side, and you, know, you can learn from him. And here's the result. I've seen, not only in my life, but in, but in others that have walked this path before, the result is heavenly satisfaction. There's this peace, there's this fullness that we have when we, when we stop to develop this ha these habits in our lives, a peace beyond our understanding, as the Holy Spirit gives us, right? You receive God's insight. You receive his truth. Um, faith replaces worry. Faith replaces stress. You know, if, if I were to ask which option you would want, everybody in this room probably, chances are you would probably want option B. Um, but what does it mean to hang out with God and learn from him? What does it mean to hang out with God. That's where we're, we're going specifically today. Um, for those of you that have grown up in the church, you've heard the phrase, maybe you've heard it said this way, quiet time. I'm going to have my quiet time with God. And, and as I was talking with students over the years, I kind of, of nixed that word. I didn't think it made sense when I was talking to teenagers to have a quiet time. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily. Personally, for me, I just, I, I really don't uh, that language people don't understand, but people understand the language, I'm going to hang out with somebody. And so I'm not trying to take away from the awesomeness and the holiness of who God is, but he's a friend of ours, right, according to scripture. And 
part of our relationship with him is developing that friendship and that relationship. So I've, I've kind of changed the language here to what does it look like to have a relationship with God? What does it look like to, to spend some time hanging out with God? So um, I, I like hanging out with God because I can understand, and a lot of people in this room, you understand what it means to hang out with a friend. So that's the language I use. And that's the first habit that we're going to talk about today, learning to hang out with God. And you'll see, um, we're going to go through an acronym that I've used, again, uh, based off of Doug Fields' resource that he has. And so that's what H is this week, hang time with God. Um, So you say, Sean, why would I want to hang out with God? And the thing I would say back to to you is because you become like the people that you hang out with. We learned this in Proverbs, right? Proverbs, if you were around for that series in the week we were talking about friendships, uh, it went right there. It says the people you hang out with is a big deal because a lot of times you end up becoming like them. Some of you not, may not like that or believe that, but I've, but, but I've been doing student ministry long enough for 20 years to, to be able to see it coming from a long way off. And, and friends will either bring you down or they'll build you up. So it's as simple as that. Who you hang out with, it's really important. Think about that. Now I'm saying today a habit, if you want to grow spiritually, is to hang out with God because you, come, you become like the people that you hang out with. So the goal of Christianity is to be more like Jesus, right? It's to be more like him. So, but what does it mean to hang out with him? Philippians 2 it's going to be our key verse uh, that we're going to hang uh, this conversation on this morning. Why don't you stand with us as we read it this morning? And then we'll pray and we'll jump in. It talks about um, going away and growing on your own. Okay? I'll read it to you. You guys can follow along on the screen. Philippians 2, verse 12. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past. This is Paul talking to a church. He said, just like you've, ever, you've always listened to everything that I've always said, I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Father God, Fill us up this morning with who you are. We know that you're here in this place this morning. We want more of you. Uh, Teach us what it means to to just be with you. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. So the apostle Paul was, was at this church, and when he left, he's writing back to them, and he's saying, you know, when I was there, you guys were doing so great. Now that I'm gone, it's even more important that you keep growing and that you keep obeying God's way. You've got to keep this up is what he's saying. And so that's what spiritual growth is. If, if the only time that you grow spiritually is when you're inside the four walls of a church building or at a retreat or at a conference or a camp, chances are you're not really growing spiritually too much. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about some truths when it comes to spiritual growth. The first one on your notes, if you're writing down your relationship with God is meant to grow. Your relationship, just like any relationship that you have in life, it's meant to grow. You were designed to be in a relationship with God, and good relationships, I hope, are are intended to grow, right? And so imagine this, March 15th, 1997, Deanna Prue, the good-looking girl that I met uh, in high school, steps across the line, and she said yes to me, and becomes Mrs. Deanna Shaw. Now, imagine that we're married, and uh, we've said yes to each other. We've said our vows. We go into the house. And then we go into our separate rooms. We have separate cars. We have separate checking accounts. Um, we get together maybe a few times a year. You know, maybe uh, Christmas time will come together. You know, maybe one of the other big holidays. You know, get together, of course, for anniversary, birthday. Do you think that would be a good relationship? <laughs> yeah, of course not. It, it would be rather terrible, probably. We wouldn't be growing in our relationship together. And so what, what does that have to do with spiritual growth? Here's what happens. A lot of people, this is what we do, will say yes to God. They make a vow. They make a commitment to God. And, you know, they pray the prayer, God, I'm going to turn my back to the world's way. And here's the day. I remember when I did it. I made that commitment. But they only check with God every, every and they check in with God every once in a while. You know, they'll check in with him on Sundays. Maybe, maybe for you know, some, it's Christmas and Easter, 
right? Or, you know, many of us in here, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I'm, the, I'm there every Sunday. But your relationship with God is meant to grow. And, and, it, and if it's not growing right now, wherever you are spiritually, if your relationship with God isn't growing, there's something wrong with the picture. Let's keep on going. The second one I want you to write down, spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. That means that when I was young and I trusted God, and I said, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life, whatever that meant to me, you know, as, as a young man, I was grade school age when I prayed that prayer, God wasn't done with me yet. And so it's so great that he didn't say, okay, well, Sean, you've, you've reached your limit, you've had five sins, so you're out, <laughs> right? He didn't do that to me, he won't do it to you. It's a lifelong journey. Now I've grown and I've learned some over the years. There are things that I know now that I didn't. You know, when I was nine years old, you know, professional wrestling is fake, for instance. I didn't know that when I was nine. Sorry if I just broke the news to you. Um, you know, if you're just learning that right now, but it's a journey, <laughs> right? And so th that's much like the Christian walk. That's the, the Christian life. When I was in ninth grade, I had very little eyesight for what it meant to maybe follow Jesus. I, I, I prayed the prayer. I said yes, but 33 33 years later now, uh, guess what? My eyes are wide open. I'm still learning. I'm still processing. God's not done with me. But, you know, I've read to the end of the book now, and I know, I know, how, I know who wins at the end, and, and I know what it's about. But even so, God's still with me on that journey. He's still doing a lot of work in my life, and I love that. Spiritual growth is walking with God in relationship with him. It's a lifelong journey. The third thing I want you to write down is developing spiritual habits will help you grow on your own. Now, why are we talking about this? I, I used to say this to students in youth ministry um, because it's because I don't want you to graduate from the youth group and then graduate from the church. I want you to know how to, to, to feed yourself spiritually for your whole life, right? For your whole walk. My dream, my goal, my prayer, you know, why I get excited to teach every weekend is my prayer is that some of you will say that this is my faith. It's not my parents' faith. It's not Sean's faith. It's not anybody else's faith. It's mine. And I'm going to learn to grow spiritually and feed myself spiritually on my own. I'm going to learn to take steps. Does anybody in here like macaroni and cheese? Get a show of hands. Okay. My son, Zion, that's like, that's the zone we're in right now. He loves macaroni and cheese. He's on a kick right now. So I want you to imagine um, with me, even if that's not your thing, that you love macaroni and cheese this morning. And you come here on Sundays, and I am Chef Boy Arshon, and I cook the most amazing macaroni and cheese that you've ever had. And you come, and you cannot get enough. It's like you are scooping that stuff in. You're like, mm, you know, mm, mm, mm. And, and, and so, you know, oh, I'm so full. That was so good. And I will probably never have to eat again. That was so fulfilling. Yum, right? And, and so you go, and then Tuesday night rolls around, and you're thinking, man, I'm starting to get a little hungry, though. And, and so maybe you go to a Tuesday night Bible study, and guess what they're serving? Macaroni and cheese. Woo! And it's good, and you eat it, and you go, more! But the only two times if you eat all week is Sunday and maybe some kind of midweek Bible study or connect group. By Friday or Saturday, you're going, I'm so hungry. Probably before that. <laughs> I am so hungry, I'm starving. And so you're doing different things, and you're trying different things to get the food to satisfy your hunger, and it just isn't working. Then you come on Sunday morning, macaroni and cheese, yes! <laughs> Chef Boy or Sean. But you never learn to cook it on your own. And so you never learn to eat on your own. And what happens then is that when you're here, you're full, but when you leave, you're running on empty. You're running on empty, and at some point spiritually, you've got to learn to grow on your own so you can feed yourself spiritually. You've got to learn to cook your own food, make your own macaroni and cheese, and, and feed yourself, or what's going to happen is you're going to starve your spiritual man. You're going to starve that, that spirit man that's inside of you. And, and can I just say this? It's not healthy to depend on Chef Boy or Sean <laughs> or anybody else to feed yourself and to develop habits that are spiritual in your life to make spiritual food for you. I'm, I'm glad to serve up a good dish on Sunday mornings. I try to do that. 
But don't depend on me for your spiritual growth because you're going to starve your spirit, man, if this is all you're getting. So the question I would ask students all the time when I was going through this series, you know, after graduating, after they they get out of high school is, are are you plugged into a church? Are you plugged into a community? Are you getting face-to-face? Are you getting in a circle? And if they say, I tried, but nobody makes macaroni like you, Pastor Sean, which I've, I've heard that. You know what that says to me? It says they were not, they didn't get to the point where they were growing on their own. Spiritual growth was just, it was only kind of a Sunday or a Wednesday night thing. And it, it, spiritual growth isn't just coming and being fed by somebody else. It's not. It's about learning to grow on your own. So that's the prayer. And as Paul is writing to the church in those scriptures that we read, he said, now that I am away, you've got to learn to be even more careful to put into action God's word, what I was serving up, you've got to learn how to do this and feed yourself and, and to, to get into God's word and start living it and obeying it every single day. You've got to make this a practice. You've got to make this a habit. So let me just tell you, and this is a little bit of a testimony for me, but let me just tell you what happens when you hang out with God, when you spend time with God, when you, when you develop a relationship with God. And these are the next blanks on your notes. The first thing is he changes your heart. He changes your heart. You know what what God has done with my life? He's taken my heart and he's totally transformed it. As he's done stuff that I cannot do by myself, he's taken it and he's softened it, he's molded it. But you know, like I mentioned, because it's a journey, he's not done yet. And so every single day, he's still doing that. And that's why it's important for me to every single day go back to that because it's a journey. He's not done. He can take my selfishness. He can take my pride. He can take my arrogance. He can take all that stuff in my heart and he's tenderizing it. When I get together with him, you know, he's shaping it. He's molding it. And I still visit those areas of my life. But overall, you know, I'm changed because of my relationship with Christ. He's tenderizing me. That's what God does. He changes hearts. And so... You might be sitting here and going, you know, how do I know that my heart needs to be changed? And let me say, if you're asking that question, it probably needs to be. When, when, when your heart begins to be changed and you see God's doing a work in your life, the closer you get to God, the more you realize your need for him. I need more of you, God. I need, I need more of you. I need, I need your help with my heart. And so the, close, the stronger I am as a believer, the more I realize how much work God has yet to do in me. And so... When you spend time with him, though, that's one of the things that he does. He changes your heart. That becomes your prayer. Psalm 51, verse 9 says, Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Create a new and clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts, holy desires, ready to please you. So he changes your heart, and he also does this. The next blank, he gives you direction for living. How many of you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in for that. I want that. God loves you more than you love yourself. He wants to guide you and he wants to give you direction. He's even given us the map. It's God's love letter. You know, and, and believe me, that's, it's not always easy to understand. I went to Bible college and there's things, you know, that I, that I come across and read in my Bible and I go, this is tough to understand. But, but God says, I want to give you my love letter to guide you and to lead you. So not only does he give us his word, but his love letter. Psalm 119 says, true shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Then once you, you said yes to God and you said, you know, God, come invade my life, come and be the Lord of my life, then Holy Spirit fills you, and he speaks to you. Check out the next verse, John 14, but when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. He changes your heart. He gives you direction for living. And the third thing, he's there during your problems. He's there during your problems. You know, he's, he's there during tough times. Now, he's there regardless, you know, whether, whether you spend time with him or not. But when you have a relationship with him and, you, you, and you know, it's like you, you know his voice. I mean, he's there. He's already there. 
It's not like you have to, you know, go to an emergency prayer closet because you haven't been spending time. He's already there in the midst. You have that relationship. So he's there when you struggle. He cares more about your pain. And some of you are in a lot of pain right now than you do. He cares more about it than you do. So, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, he always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out upon us. Now, if I could... If I could, I would develop this habit for you. I really would, but I can't. I cannot. Um, you've got to develop your own habit of spending time with God, out of, of hanging with God. And when you do, he directs you, he changes your heart, and he's there for you. And I could talk about that for hours. There's, there's a lot that happens when we just spend time in his presence but, but we don't have hours. So what I want to do is I want to give you the how. And people say, you know, how do I hang out with God? It seems weird. You know, how do you hang out with somebody that you can't even see? You know, how do, how do we do that? So, I, I, again, these, these, are, these are just things from experience over the years. These aren't like the end of the list. Our time with God is, is going to be personal, but let's start with these, okay? Number one, make it a priority. Make your time with God. First of all, make it a priority, it's, it's got to become a priority, or for a lot of us, we're not going to do it. <laughs> we're not going to get there. And so make it a priority. Are you hanging out with him? Are you spending time with him? Take a look. You know, if, if you're here today and you're struggling in your spiritual journey, chances are one of the reasons that you're struggling and stumbling is because we're not doing this. And um, re- remember what I said at the very beginning, we, who we are as a people is based on the commitments that we make, right? It's based on the commitments that we make and the habits that we develop. It's who, it's, it's what makes us us. And so the big question, you, sh- you the, the big statement maybe here is, you show me what's important uh, to you by how you spend your time. You, you show yourself what's important to you by how you, how you spend your time. So take an introspective look, take a look at your calendar. If you, you know, if you're the, one of those calendar people, a lot of us are in this culture, uh, you know, bottom line, you can say anything you want. You can say, well, you know, she's important, that's important, my, my job's important, God's so important. He's everything to me. But what's important to you is what you do with your time. And so you show me your calendar, you show me what your day looks like, and I'll tell you what's important. <laughs> if you're going to make this a habit, You've got to start with making it a priority. And so, in fact, I would encourage you to do that right now is to figure out a time, if you don't have one, a regular time, and schedule it in. Because we're a culture, again, this is where we are for for a lot of us. You know, if you you ask if we're free on, you know, Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, what's the first thing we do? For a lot of us, we pull out our phone and we look at our calendar. Because our lives are so busy, Right? And so I got to check and see if I've got some free time. So taking that little step and, and, and putting it in my calendar for a lot of us in the room is a big and important step. Make it a priority. Our culture is a world that's built on schedules and to-do lists. So if, if that's the world that you live in, then put it in there. Put it in right at the top. Put it in at the bottom if you're an evening person, but put it in. Many of us in the room are so busy that, you know, we'd be kind of lost without the schedule. And so if that's the case for you, write it down, block it out, make it a priority. Which brings us to the next point. Take the time regularly. Make it a regular thing. You take the time regularly. If you're not spending time with God, spending time with God is probably going to require, let me just tell you up front, it's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require... I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's an hour or two hours or four hours. If you're not hanging out with God at all, how about let's start with, with students. I, I would might maybe put this a little, you know, the number at a certain place. But, you know, just start with five minutes. Start with ten minutes. Start somewhere. If, it's, if, if you're going to put it on the calendar, you know, put it on there and say, okay, for at least this ten minutes, you know, on Monday at seven o'clock, I'm going to put it on there and just try it 10 minutes a day. And you're going to, you know, feed yourself some macaroni. (laughs) 
And what happens, you know, you know so, so there's some sacrifice that comes with that. For some of us, that maybe means setting the alarm 10 minutes earlier. For some of us, you know, it, it might mean you, you, you go to bed 10 minutes later or you, or you stop studying or doing the work project 10 minutes early. You get to work or you get to school and you're in the parking lot 10 minutes early so you can be in your car for 10 minutes and just spend it with God or 15 minutes. You know, you do 15 minutes less on Facebook or Insta and you go into your room at night and instead of listening to 10 songs, maybe you listen to five. But you're intentional and you're regular. I don't know what it is, but here there's probably going to be some sacrifice to it. You know, maybe one less phone call at night. You got to start somewhere. And so I'm just encouraging. I don't want to put a bunch of rules on it and say, you know, you've got to spend 30 minutes with God or an hour or it's meaningless. I'm not going to do that. You, you need to figure out your time with God and, 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 you know, but start by saying it's this amount of time and it's going to be regular. It's going to be a time where I get together with him every day and focus on the word regular, okay? Then finally, the last thing here, hang out with comfort rather than guilt. Because here's what happens. Here's what a lot of people do. And this is, this, is, this is where the guilt comes in. They say, okay, I'm going to read the Bible this year. I'm going to read it all the way through. I'm going to do the Bible in a year. And they start out in, you know, the Old Testament. And they've got, you know, they're reading three chapters a day, maybe a little bit in Proverbs, a little bit in Psalms. And then they do really well in January. But by the time, you know, they get to February, like, they're like 94 chapters behind. <laughs> and they give up. And then there's all this guilt. And, you, you know, you, you, I'm no good. I'm a lousy Christian. I, I can't spend time with God. I, I stink at this. And, you know, it just makes you want to give up. So stop. Just relax. Take a breath. Because here's the thing. God would love any amount of time with you. He would love to just be with you any amount of time. And so, you know, that's why we're saying just start. Just start. Put it on the calendar. That's comfort versus guilt. You see the difference there? It's like, this is going to, if I don't do this, you know, all this weight comes down crashing. You know, I've, I've been around with Deanna, uh, with, with Deanna, my wife, for, for around 26 years now. You know, that's, we're comfortable. We're comfortable that when we're in the car and nobody's talking, you know, I'm not going, what should I say? You know, help me to think of something. Well, there, there might be sometimes where that happens. But most of the time when we're hanging out and there's silence, it's no big deal. Because it, we've hung out together so much, it's almost like we can communicate without talking, right? Some of you get that. And so we're just hanging out together. And she's, you know, my favorite person to do that with. And I know her in a way that we can just be together. And, you know, we don't have to do anything. We can just be sitting there. And I just love to be with her, right? There's, there's that kind of relationship. That's what it's like as you learn to develop this habit of hanging out in the presence of, of God. It's like developing a relationship where you can just be with him and it's like, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm just so, so happy to be here spending this time with you. And it's not, it's not a thing of guilt. You know, I, I, you know, God, did I say that prayer right? I, I'm sorry I didn't finish with the I didn't say thus enough or, or, you know, the right amount of amens. And, you know, there have been times when Deanna and I were talking late at night and all of a sudden, you know, one of us will conk out, you know, she'll like fall asleep on the couch uh, or vice versa. Then we'll wake up at the, you know, we wake up in the morning and think, did I ever finish that conversation? That ever happened to anybody? Uh, you know, I used to feel so guilty, you know, that I'd be praying at night and uh, then I would wake up in the morning, you know, I never closed the deal. I never said amen. Oh, no. <laughs> Right? Here's the thing, though. If you're spending time in God's presence, and that means so much, that means so much. You recognize God. You set some time aside. God, you know, it's so good to be alive today. Thank you. You're talking to him. You're having a conversation. You know the situation, which, the situation with my kids right now. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's a drag, and I don't know what to do, so I need some of your wisdom. So you're just hanging out. You're having that conversation. Just be comfortable, right? It's not this weight thing. It's not this guilt thing. That, that's what hanging out with God, with a friend, should be like, right? There's not this weight over it. My prayer is that, that we would develop this habit, habit, and when we do, it begins to change your relationship. And when it changes your relationship with God, it changes your life. Amen? And so you say, Sean, you know, what do I do during that time? What does that, what does it look like? 
you know, I don't know, should I read the Bible? And I would say, yes. Um, you know, should I pray? That's great. Yes. Um, you know, should I write my journal? Yes. Look, I recommend all of that. But listen, I am not going to stand up here and give you a list of rules of what it means to hang out with God. Would you listen to me if I was telling you how to hang out with your spouse? You know, well, first thing you need to do is you need to bring the lights down low and then you need to say this thing. You need to call her rice cake. And then, you know, because here's the thing, you know, if, if I were to do that, that would be kind of weird, right? And, and, and I can give you, but here's the thing, I can give you some starting points, yes, but, but, but your personal relationship with God is personal. It's personal. And so, you know, when Derek and Pam go out and they have date night, it's probably going to look a little bit different. If they did things exactly like Deanna and I did, it would probably be a little weird. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? And so our time together is going to be different. It might even be disastrous for Derek and Pam if they try to do the same things that Deanna and I did. Is it, did anybody get that? So if it, our, their relationship and your relationship is unique to you. It's your relationship with God is, is unique to you. And so your time together is going to be unique as well. So I'm not going to try to define this time for you, but I'm going to give you some tools and ideas how to maybe make this time meaningful. I'm just going to start with some ideas, okay? So th this isn't rigid. This is just, here's some starting points, okay? So prayer. This can be tough for some people. How do you talk with God? You know, again, this person that I can't see and I'm supposed to listen to, I mean, this is, this is, this is that's hard for some people. How do I, how do I get it? I get it. It sounds a little bit, you know, cuckoo, right, when you, when you first come to it. But, but an important part of any relationship is communicating, is talking and listening, right? So I can learn uh, that person's voice. So start with this. Start by practicing his presence. You ever heard that phrase before? You, the more that you're with somebody, that's how I've, I've learned to know Deanna's voice. That's how I've learned to communicate with her non-verbally that I can be sitting across the room and see the way that she's looking or the way that, you know, that smirk on her face and I can go, uh-oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've learned it because I've practiced my presence with her, right? I've been around her long enough. So mm -hmm. practice is present. What does that mean? The means the more that you're around someone, the more that you begin to, to know who they are. You learn their voice. Like when that person calls on the phone, it's like, oh, okay, I, yeah, it's dad, right? I know their voice. We, we have a lot of time invested. We've had a lot of practice um, learning each other's voices and how they speak. And you start praying for the first time, and it's a little bit like getting to know somebody, right? The more you speak and you practice being with God and listening to God, the easier it will be to know and to hear his voice. So practice, you know, it goes back to making a regular time. Practice, practice, practice. So how do I know it's God's voice? You know, we could go into a whole series on that too. It's important stuff. But just quick, it lines up with God's word. It, it lines up with the scriptures. It's an agreement with the character of who God is. God is love. He's just. He's truth, right? He's good. Uh, and we could go on, right? It lines up with his character. He's, he's not going to be denigrating or putting you down, but his, uh, spending time with him when he's speaking to you, it's going to build you up. It's going to edify. You know, even, even if what he says may be hard for us to hear sometimes, God is a loving father who wants, us, wants what's best for us. So it's going to be for our growth. It's going to be for our betterment. And if, if in doubt, you know, ask some other people who love Jesus and have been around and who have practiced his presence, you know, and who know God's voice. In your daily time, it can be helpful to have a tool to help you think about some key elements of prayer. Um, when I was younger, a youth pastor taught, taught us the ACTS acronym as an easy way to think about prayer in four parts. And this, is, this has come from the way Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Some of you have probably uh, used this, the ACTS acronym before in, in learning how to pray. And so again, this isn't a structure that I stay with to this day, but it helped me develop the structure and, and kind of the, just the relationship that I have with God in prayer now. So if you're starting, this is a good place to start. Start with the letter A, adoration. Tell God how much you love and appreciate him. Tell him how amazing he is. You know, express your love for him. Praise him for all the things that he's doing in your life. That's a great way to begin your time with him. 
just acknowledge who he is and the, the, just be in awe. You should never run out of praise, right? He's, he's so awesome. He's so good. Um, just adore him for who he is. And guess what? When you practice it daily, it actually intensifies your praise because you start realizing, man, God, you are so good, <laughs> right? The second one, confess. Confess should be a part of our prayer. If we freely admit our sins, when, when light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So talk to God about where you've fallen short. You know, be specific, and then, you know, thank him for his forgiveness that we have in Jesus, and ask him for the strength to turn away from future temptations. He loves to answer those types of prayers. So come to him. The, the third way is thanksgiving. I'm going to magnify him with my thanksgiving, uh, Psalm says. So you have plenty of reasons to be thankful. And, and, you know, thank God for his love. Thank God for his faithfulness, his patience, and a million other things that you have the opportunity to thank him for. Express gratitude for what he's doing in your life. You know, thank Jesus for dying on the cross for you. Thank Holy Spirit for indwelling and for, for never leaving. Thank him for being that still small voice that speaks to you. And then guess what? The same thing happens here. The more you thank God, the more thankful that you become. You come back to it every day. God, I am so thankful. I've seen the, I've been praying about it every day. All the things that you do for me every day, it's just so amazing. And it just becomes who you are. You are a thankful person. And then the last one. It's, a, it's a, a bigger word that we don't use as much anymore, but the word supplication. The verse I pulled out here, Philippians 4, verse 6, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. It says, tell him every detail of your life. You know, just like you would with a, a friend. It's like, oh, okay, let's catch up on the day. What, what happened today? And then you just start talking. It's like, well, man, it was, it was a tough one. You know, tell, so tell him about your stuff. Tell them about your tough stuff that, you know, that no matter how small it seems to you, do you think that really anything that you have to say to God is too big or too small? I mean, he's the creator of everything. He's the creator of the universe. He knows who you are intimately. Talk to him. He is a forever faithful friend. And so that's when you send up your prayer request. God, I could really use um, some help today. I, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit broken or, you know, I, my mom's sick. I, I, I need... I'm just coming to you and asking you to heal her. That's what supplication is. So lastly, don't stop. Scripture says to pray without ceasing, or, or in the Passion Translation, I love this, it says make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. So what does that mean? Is God like the friend who wants you to text back and forth all day? <laughs> you know, or expect six phone calls every 24 hours? No, but he is the loving father that wants to hear from you. He's the loving father that wants to hear from you. He already knows what's going on. I mean, he's God, right? He knows what's going on. He doesn't need you to tell him, but he loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice. He loves that you want to tell him, right? And so you talk to him on your drive to work. Tell him about your frustrations after the morning meeting. He can take it. He might give you some peace that passes understanding that you need for the rest of the day, right? Celebrate your joys with him. Enter into a full relationship with him. So when you have a best friend, you tell them about all the stuff, right? That's, that's what this is. You tell them about your highs and your lows, and you, you want to see them when you're struggling. You want them to know. Well, do that with God. Do that in your conversation with God. Let that be your prayer life. Don't, don't, don't ever stop. Let him be at the center of your day, you know, a running conversation. Just like you, you, you know, you're hanging with a friend, it's like you can be saying nothing for a while, but then you're just like, oh yeah, there's this other thing. And you know, that's what it means to never stop praying. Okay, Bible. This can be a challenge too, especially if you're not a reader. So how can, how can you whet your appetite for God's word? Well, after you've determined in your heart the things that we've already talked about, you've made it a priority, Number two, figuring out a regular time and you get rid of the guilt out of the equation. Um, the thing I want us to do next is I, I, want, I want us to make God's word accessible. Put it in a place that it's going to be within reach. For a lot of us, we are creatures of habit. So that might not only mean, you know, figuring out the rhythm and your calendar and, and on your schedule, but the place. Put your Bible within reach, right? Keep it, keep it out. Keep it in front of you and dig in and make it hard to forget. Set a daily reminder with your to-do list if you need to do that. 
If that's how you function, use an app with a reminder. You know, do whatever you need to do and get it out in front. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to find a Bible that you love. The Bible is God's love letter to us. But if we have a hard time reading it and and digesting it, that puts us in a hard place, right? And so for some of us who are just starting out, we're taking our first bites of macaroni, you know, we're developing the appetite and we're learning how to feed ourselves at home. It's the little steps that take us to a deeper love um, for his word. And so I've recommended over the years um, several different uh, Bibles for students. Um, And so I'm going to start with those. Because I know we've got families, and this will be of interest to some of you. The Fire Bible for Kids, that's one that you'll see over in our children's ministry um, room. That's a, that's a good one. Um, they have a version for children. They have a version for teens. The Live Bible, or the Live Bible is actually what it's called, is great for junior high students. The Red Bible, it's got a lot of space to scribble and make notes and, and uh, make it your own. The One Minute Bible, for those that are, are just beginning to whet their appetite, uh, reading God's Word, I've, uh, it's a great tool to, to again, to, to develop that, that hunger. It's a step uh, to start somewhere. Or even the comic book, how many of you have ever read the Action Bible? Um, you know, it's, it's to, to begin to learn to love the epic stories of the Bible. I can remember reading that as a kid, and I started le- learning to love, you know, the stories of God through these comic book kind of inspired um, drawings. And so that's how I, I really learned first the stories in the Bible. So those are all great starts for the, for the younger generations. As an adult, there are several different Bibles that I love and I go back to. Pastor Brent got us all in love with the Passion Translation of the Bible. Many of you are familiar with that. Um, there's the message paraphrase that was great for me that I spent a long time uh, in as a young adult reading that one. Um, just kind of putting it in our language of the time. I also use the Spirit-Filled Life Bible compiled by one of our former Foursquare presidents, Pastor Jack Hayford. Many of you know that name. Um, there's the Mirror Bible. It's another powerful paraphrase. Um, and then there's one of, my, one of my more recent favorites is the Jesus-centered Bible. Um, and uh, taking all the scriptures from, old, from the Old Testament to the New and kind of bringing the focus all to Jesus. So highlighting the story of Jesus from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's a very rewarding way um, to read the Bible afresh because it all points to Jesus, right? All scripture is, is all, it's all about him. So it, it takes, takes the scriptures all throughout and kind of highlights the story of Jesus. So I could go on and on. And I, I'll many times when, I'm, when I'll preach, uh, I'll preach from the ESV translation. I encourage you to look in to some of, some of these and explore some of the translations and the different ways that you can get into God's word, but see what moves your heart. And see what becomes the way for you to connect with the, the heart of God throughout his word. All of these things that you see on the screen, I've already got it scheduled out all through the week. You'll see the, um, on, on our, all of our social media channels, you'll see the Acts way to pray. You'll see all links to all these Bibles that we just mentioned um, because we want to make them easy and accessible to you to find. Um, some of you are going to sigh when I say this last one, but my go-to tool personally um, for God's word and for getting into God's word is the YouVersion Bible app. Um, I know that this is a generational thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's, there's people that love to flip pages. For me, um, I don't have that need. And so I love having my Bible with me wherever I go. And, and so don't sign off on me just yet if, you know, if you're the paper, paper version you know, person. Because if you don't know, I wanted to highlight to you why it is such a powerful resource. It is, there, there's, for starters, I think it's important. This is, this is actually... The, um, the, you know how they say the, uh, a certain translation has so many Bibles in print? This is actually the number one Bible that is in most hands right now because, number one, for starters, it's free. And it was one of the first apps that was available when the iPhone first came out. And so I think the first week, if I remember right, and, and I'm just going from memory here, but I think there was 800,000 downloads, and it's gone into the millions of millions of millions of downloads now. And what I love about this is, um, you know, we carry these, for many of us, we carry these with us all the time. Most of you, you kind of feel naked without this in your pocket, right? You leave the house without it, you turn around because you can't go anywhere without your phone. It's the culture, again, that we live in, right? So with this app, or one of several other Bible apps, God's word is with you all the time. And so I, I like to have that with me. I like to have it in my pocket. I can carry with, with, with me electronically wherever I go. Um, so I'm not trying to do a commercial. Nobody's making any money off of my talk this morning. But so the Bible app is free. 
But it offers so much, I just want to highlight that some of you may not know about. So for starters, you can access hundreds of all the, like many of the translations that I've already talked about, the Passion Translation, um, you know, ESV, all, all the long list of different translations and paraphrases, you can access all from this one app. And they're all free at no cost. You can take notes, um, you can highlight the scriptures, you can bookmark stuff just like you would take notes and highlight in your paper Bible that are saved across devices. So if you do it on your phone, it's there on your laptop when you open it up. It's there on your iPad, just like you would on a physical Bible. That's cool because you can see how God's speaking to you through those notes and those highlights. There's uh, several multimedia features for those of you that like those kind of little things that might come helpful uh, to some of you, like the ability to create verse images if you're an artist, you know, to create a picture with the verses. That's uh, something that that the app does. You can watch several Bible-related videos, and this is a big one. Several, uh, li- you can listen to several audio translations of the Bible. So if you're not a reader, you can open up the app, push play. Um, as you're going through Proverbs with the church, you can listen to it as you're going on your evening walk. Push play, put it, play it in your headphones, push play as you're driving to work. That's a big deal for some people. So just open up your favorite translation, click play. And so if you're not a reader, that's, that's a big deal for some people. Um, I love that the app, this app allows you to read the Bible in community. Now, if you are the competitive type this app, I don't know, this is, this is a newer feature, it has something called streaks. It has a streaks feature where it gives you little badges and awards for being consistent with your Bible rating. Now I know one couple, youth pastor friends of mine, um, who make it a competition, like, I've got more streaks than you, <laughs> you know? And, and it's just kind of a fun way that they have conversations about reading God's Word together. Another cool feature is that you can actually do reading plans with friends. So if you're reading through, for instance, the book of Proverbs, you can say, uh, uh, you can hook up your friend with, with your reading, say, we're reading these, this many chapters a day, and you can have then a conversation. You can see when they don't read. <laughs> um, and, and you can see when they do, gives you a little notification and says, hey, you know, Jennifer just finished the reading for the day, you know, and you can give a little heart and say, that's awesome. And so there's, you can read the Bible in community if you want, or you can, you know, with this, a, a single friend, if you just want it between a best friend, it can be within your whole connect group if you want, or it can be just you and another person. It's a way to read God's word together and it facilitates discussion towards what you're reading. Lastly, If you need some help with where to start, there is a huge, huge, huge selection of reading plans and theme devotionals that all starts with God's Word. I'm all for devotionals, but I, I, I think everybody should have God's Word as part of your daily time with God. And so you, 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 can, you can get reading plans on everything from marriage to work to relationships to if you want to read it in a year, they have different ways to do that. You can read it, you know, all the different ways that you can read the Bible chronologically, if that's important to you, or through the Proverbs, or, you know, t- from topics like anxiety, healing, anger, hope, and there's so much more. And so when you sign up for one of these um, reading plans, it'll give you a little reminder to try to help you to make it a rhythm and try to make it a habit. So you get notifications each day, however you like to do that, whether it's through the little pop-up or whether it's through email to remind you to read. And what I love about this, it's about... It's about grace, not guilt, right? It has a little grace button. So if you miss 94 days (laughs) to help you catch up, you just press that button and then you're back on track. And so it's not about guilt, but it's about developing a habit of reading God's word, right? So when you miss a few days or more of reading, it's not a guilt trip. It's about encouraging you to read God's word. And so one, one last quick tip when you're preparing to read God's word, and this goes back to point number one, pray. Pray. Pray before you start. It's going back to the number one tool, but, it, but, it, but I always make it a point to ask Holy Spirit, please open up my heart to whatever you have for me to receive as I begin to read your word today. As I begin to read this, God, would you open up and speak to me in ways that, you know, you know I, it wouldn't be the same as if Holy Spirit, you weren't directing the time. So he loves to answer that prayer. The last thing, as we're uh, wrapping up, and Doug, you can come on up to play, um, is journaling. There, there are other elements that we could talk about. You know, like I said, your personal time is your personal time. So for you, some of you are going to incorporate worship into the mix. You're going to crank up the volume to 11 and you're just going to go for it. <laughs> and you're going to have a personal worship time. For some of you, you know, you might listen to teaching um, on God's word. 
to help you, you know, fill up. Some of you will sit in silence and just, you know, do what scriptures say. Just sit and know that he is God and just spend time with him that way. Your time will look like your relationship with him. But along with prayer and God's word, I want to encourage you to, to add one other thing into the mix if you can, and that's journaling. Why? Because God's word to us is powerful to change our lives, right? And it's important for us to remember what he speaks to us. So journaling helps us remember. Statistically, if we write things down, there's a better chance for us to remember it, even if we never go back and look at it again. That's why why we have the, 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 the bulletins that we can write things down. His faithfulness, his goodness, all that he's done for us. It's, it's a good practice to write down the things that he speaks to you each time you get together with him, right? And it can also be the second thing. It can be therapeutic. Depending on your personality and what works best for you, you might start, you know, your journal by writing down how you feel. That's many times how my journaling starts. You know, dear God, I'm feeling the weight of stress. I am feeling the weight of failure today. I am feeling shame in my life right now. Yesterday was pretty tough and I'm needing you to speak to me today God can you speak and we start from there I start from my brokenness sometimes and he is faithful I've started my time with God many times like that and he is faithful to speak to me he's faithful to do that and pull me out of my mess and so another thing journaling does the last thing on your notes is it provides a record kind of like you know when they piled up rocks at the Jordan River they, they made a monument, to set a monument to what the Lord has done. You know, if you've journaled, you know how rewarding and eye-opening it can be to look back through all the things that God has spoken and the dreams that he's given you and how he carried you through some tough times. Would you stand with me as we close? As we get ready to pray and seal this time, here's the closing image that I want to give to you this morning. Um, give somebody the permission Give somebody in your life the permission to hold a mirror up to you and to say, I just want to remind you who you really want to be. And what that does, that's why it's so important outside of this this setting for us to have conversations, for us to get in a circle, for us to, to, to get face to face. Somebody that will come to you and say, I know that you want your relationship with God to be this, but it seems like you're right here. So so let's start working on developing some habits that will see you grow. Right? So give somebody permission to hold up that mirror. Somebody in your connect group or your class or the fight club that you're in. You know, I, I, I just want to remind you who you really want to be. So these habits that we're focusing on for the next month, and this is just one of six, can change your life if we let them. Take it as God's word because that's where it's coming from. (laughs) And walk out of here and say, God, how am I going to be different as a result of spending time with you? This morning, but also the next morning. When Monday morning comes on a holiday weekend, What about Tuesday when a lot of us are heading back to work or we're heading back to school? What does my time with you look like then, God? Make it a priority. Set some time aside. You know, what are you speaking to me? Determine in your heart not to be the same person, right? That our relationship with God is meant to grow. It's supposed to go somewhere that when we leave after spending time with him, that we're different. So Father God, Father God, we love you. Your character, who you are, it just amazes us. So God, as we jump into this time, Lord, I pray that uh, these next few weeks together, Lord, we would grow as a result of thinking about and growing these habits in our lives. It's more than just learning not to bite my nails. That's a good habit. But these are habits that could change us from the inside out. Lord, for us to walk in the fullness of all that you have for us, instead of the halfness that some of us are walking in. Lord, help us to not be content walking around spiritually starved. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for your word, to talk with you, 
Lord, and to write down and to, to remember what you've spoken in our lives. God, make it a habit in our lives for us as your children to come and be in your presence one-on-one, just you and me. God, help us to grow. We want that. In your mighty name we pray. If you're here uh, this morning and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, you've never said yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning and you just know that you're the one. Um, Yeah, my life isn't where that uh, I want it to be. I know I need something. Well, let me just offer you Jesus this morning. Forever faithful yesterday, today, forever. Um, He is... A God of rescue. He will pull you out of whatever mess that you've walked into. Look, I've been there several times. Walk through it daily. Lord, help me pull me out of my mess. <laughs> he is forever faithful. And if that's you this morning with nobody looking around, I would just ask you that you'd raise your hand up high in the air. We want to pray with you this morning. Father God. All right. Let's pray this together, Father God. I give you my heart, all that's within me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for coming to my rescue. All that I am is yours. I surrender my life to you. Lead me and be with me. In your mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning.